Welcome back to the LFC Agenda. I am Drew and I'm sharing my thoughts on the latest edition of the Merseyside Derby, Liverpool 2, Everton 0. Now, on paper, this wasn't a result that would have shocked any of us, Everton fans, Liverpool fans, football fans at large. But when you look at how the game went, the fact that Everton went down to 10 men just before half-time and played most of the game... Um, back to the wall, defending, trying to contain Liverpool. I would say that it probably didn't pan out as many of us would have expected. However, it was a controlled performance. Liverpool uh, were patient. They took their time, the goals arrived and they got the job done. I want to start off talking about this fixture as a whole, which for me... It's always been a bit of an elephant in the room as far as the media are concerned because they still like to flag it as, you know, it's a derby, anything can happen. They chuck the same cliches out each time, you know, form goes out the window. Form does not go out the window with this fixture. I mean, the closest form has gone to going out the window is taking the latch off the window and a, a draw happens. It's never worse than a draw, is it? Aside from the 2-0 the during lockdown when Liverpool had no defenders, uh, were basically feeling really sorry for themselves, no fans, and and uh, Everton snatched a 2-0 win at Anfield. That's the only time um, for, I would say, the majority of under-30s uh, supporting Everton where they've seen their team go to Anfield and win a football match. Now, for a derby, that's just not good enough, frankly. In fact, it's appalling. It's embarrassing. And when I think about it, I'm actually touched jealous of the North London derby, Spurs versus Arsenal, um, the Manchester derby, even during Man United's dark times, we have not been very good, which is most years since Fergie's not been there. But even when they were distinctly inferior to City and people were expecting City to turn up and roll them over. They did sometimes, but there were occasions where under Solskjaer they put up a fight and won a couple of matches. You know, it's a matter of pride. Football isn't a case of you've got better players, therefore you can't show a bit of heart and and try and get something from the game. But this is a fixture where Everton continue to let themselves down, turn up not expecting to get anything out of the game, but hoping, hoping to eke out a draw. Sometimes happens for them, but they're never competitive in this fixture. And so for me, it's probably an overrated derby now for that reason. It's, it's not, you know, a derby should be a bit of a leveller in the sense that uh, a team that's maybe not as good is fighting for the badge and convincing themselves that for that one game, for those 90 minutes, they can really put in a performance for their fans and try and win a football match. And for me, Everton never, they never come close to doing that. So I think that's a bit of an embarrassment. And also there was something, I was watching the game on TNT Sports and there was something that came up during commentary, which I was pretty aware of 
but not acutely aware of, <laughs> which was the number of managers that Everton have had um, in Jurgen Klopp's time managing Liverpool has been a lot. So they clocked it at eight. I'm not sure I can name all eight managers. I know Rafael Benitez comes straight to mind as an ex-red, Agent Rafa, as some people call him. Then uh, Frank Lampard, um, who took them to that, that glorious celebration on their final home game of the season uh, when they won the trophy for, for staying up. Then you had uh, Ronald Koeman. You had Carlo Ancelotti. Who knows what the hell he was doing at that club. Um, after him, Duncan Ferguson was a caretaker. I think Big Dunk's come in a couple of times to to stable the ship. Uh, Roberto Martinez. I'm not sure if I've gotten through them all, but point is there are far too many managers in and out of that dugout to have any kind of stability and to have any to establish any sense of direction and patterns of play. Um, all the players are coming in, trying to fit into different systems, different ways of working. Remember one time they signed James Rodriguez? That was so weird. <laughs> and it's not like they've signed a bunch of rubbish players throughout that time. They have signed some good players, just not many. And also, you know, square pegs, round holes. Signing players don't necessarily need or who, as I say, don't really fit. Uh, a system of play. So the longer that this continues, where they're chopping and changing managers, the more difficult they're going to find it to, you know, not just compete in this fixture, but to stop scrapping for relegation every season. I mean, just thinking back to some of the players that, that turned out for this game, I wouldn't say, generally speaking, that Everton have, you know, a terrible team. It's not a very good team, but I don't think it's a terrible team. Anana in, in midfield is a very handy player who I think could definitely do a job for us. Um, they have England's number one. Okay, he's not the world's greatest keeper, but he's a solid keeper. Um, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who can never stay fit. Branthwaite, who's decent in defence. Tarkovsky. Again, a solid Premier League player. I think if you gave the squad to Luton or if you said to Vincent Company, look, you can have the Everton squad. Take it in the heartbeat and he'd make them more competitive. So it's been a surprise that someone like Sean Dyche, who has, okay, he's not been there long, but he's had many years kind of punching well above his weight as a manager for Burnley. Um, he's come in and not really had the galvanising effect that they would have expected. But they're probably looking at it thinking, we can't change him again. You know, this is our goal. We can't change our manager again. It's not going to help anyone. It's not going to help the team. I don't think the fans, even if they aren't completely bought into um, the whole Deitch thing, I don't think they'd appreciate more chopping and changing. So that's definitely a, a big factor. Um, and I think overall, the mindset of, of the club and of the players, um, you know, they've had some traumatic recent t 
times against Liverpool. Um, it's just not right, is it? Because they manage to get themselves up for games when they feel like it, uh, but never this fixture. Anyway, when we look at this game uh, that took place on Saturday, Liverpool eventually got the, the two goals from Mohamed Salah that uh, earned them the three points. But it's very simplistic to look at that in isolation and, and the sending off of Ashley Young uh, and say, you know, basically, that's that's the reason we won the game. There's a fair bit to, to get into and I want to start with the overall performance of Liverpool in the first half. It was not good. It was not good. And we always thought this could be a risk because of the 12.30 kickoff and the fact that we had players coming late from uh, international duty with the South American teams. I've got to say I don't love it when Jurgen Klopp labours the point. But not because he hasn't got a point, but because I don't think it helps the team in terms of them focusing on the task at hand. And also because of the bare facts speaking for themselves. We don't have to hear it from the manager. And fortunately, he didn't bang on about it before this game, but I'm I'm just making the point that when he does, um, it probably doesn't help the team. I don't think so anyway. So again, Liverpool facing their 13th 12.30 kickoff. It'll be number 14 after the next international break when they face Man City, but that's for another day. And it felt quite laboured in parts. It wasn't a bad performance, but it just wasn't tip-top, well-oiled machine, fluid football um, that maybe we would have liked to see. But, you know, Merseyside Derby doesn't always um, allow us, uh, due to the frantic nature of it generally, to produce those kind of performances. Um, Sometimes... Liverpool batter Everton, but this wasn't one of those days. And credit to Everton anyway for, for even though they came to defend, they didn't came, come to try and win the game, for at least digging in and, and making it a bit tricky uh, for Liverpool to, to get the result that ultimately they deserved. And they did deserve it. So the turning point in the game and one of the controversial moments uh, or... Moments for discussion, if you like, <laughs> came when Ashley Young received his second yellow card for a challenge on Diaz. And he'd actually received his first one um, when he challenged Diaz in the 17th minute. We've had it against us. We've had four players sent off already this season. And um, it's set a new record that we don't want. But we've seen it and other teams have been reminded as well. If you have a player on a yellow card, that player really needs to watch himself. They really need to be careful uh, throughout the rest of the match because their card is marked, literally. (laughs) So for Ashley Young um, to slide in again on Diaz, um, it was a very tricky and um, smart play from the Liverpool winger. He kind of drew in the challenge and Ashley Young got suckered into it when he could have let him go. So for Ashley Young to do that when he's so experienced, that was something I'm sure that would have disappointed his manager. And deep down, although he was whinging and bitching about it as he went off the pitch, 
he'll know that he, he got suckered and he shouldn't have he shouldn't have uh, fell for that one. But he did. And it was to our team's benefit. They didn't take ultimate advantage of it. And I was really, really curious to see, actually, now that the shoe's on the other foot and we're playing with 10 men, sorry, against 10 men as opposed to with, how we would react. Because I knew Everton would go into their show and I knew there would be trying to contain and, and, you know, just break when they could. But I didn't know how Liverpool would react in the sense of how they'll change their patterns of play or how they'll try and force home that advantage. In the end, it felt to me like a, a patient, probing performance. The stats tend to, to bear that out. They had like 78% possession. They were playing very high up the park, but they couldn't really break down um, Everton uh, when they got to the final third. Some of their passing, final decision-making wasn't where it needed to be. wasn't at the level required. And as a result, it took until the 75th minute for Liverpool to force home their advantage. And it was Mohamed Salah who dispatched a penalty emphatically beyond Jordan Pickford, who had a decent game but always struggles against our forwards and and Mohamed Salah in particular has a pretty decent record against him. And it was pretty stupid from an Everton perspective. The reason that they gave away the penalty was... Michael Keane um, handballing inside the box. And I've listened back to what Ali McQuist have said, read back his comments, listened to it at the time during the TNT commentary, and I couldn't really see what his gripe was uh, with regards to Craig Pawson's decision. There was nothing that would have justified him not pointing to the spot um, or you know listening to the VAR and pointing to the spot. And there was actually no debate here as far as I'm concerned. I don't really get the point of view that, you know, because the player is trying to uh, elevate themselves, uh, they need to raise their hands like that. There's that phrase that is overused. It was an unnatural, unnatural movement. And that's exactly what it was. Uh, He didn't need to do that. Didn't need to do that. It wasn't like... The ball bounced off his knee or, you know, he was so close to the ball when it came across from Diaz. No, he saw it coming and he had his hands up. The ball touched his hand and therefore it's a penalty. It's like really black and white to me. I don't get the view that it was it was anything but. So anyway, Liverpool deservedly went ahead and Mohamed Salah doubled the lead uh, seven minutes into injury time, grabbing the second in what I'd say was a pretty poor performance from him, maybe the poorest we've seen this season. Ironically, <laughs> he got two goals, despite not being very good. But, you know, that's what happens when you have a top, top class operator like that in your team. You know, they can do nothing but still be, you know, the difference. And that's exactly what happened. You know what's really interesting? If you go onto the Liverpool website, you'll see a side-by-side playback of the killer Salah goal from last year versus the one that he scored this year. And both are breakaway goals from Everton attacks. 
that are broken down as they're looking to, to get something from the game. And in both instances, Nunes is racing down the pitch with defenders in his, his wake and squaring it to Salah, who dispatches first time. It's really weird to see that they've essentially scored the, the same goal um, in two consecutive fixtures. Really, really great uh, counter-attack and play from Liverpool. And it's exactly the kind of thing that we want to see more from when it comes to Nunes. I don't care if he only gets 15 to 20 goals a season and can't break that that limit. I'm pretty sure he'll get that as a minimum. But if he's contributing the way he is and he's in a confident vein of form, he's going to be such a problem for defenders. And Everton found that to their cost. So all in all, really good performance. Uh, I should probably talk about a lineup. I know it's pretty backwards to be talking about it after the event. But um, it was Alisson in goal, as always. Centre-back pairing of Van Dijk and Konate. We'll come on to him in a minute. Trent Alexander-Arnold uh, right back. And Costa Simikas, who's had to step in for Andy Robertson, who looks like he's going to be out of action for a fair few months, unfortunately. Uh, following a shoulder injury that he picked up on international duty. Oh, we love the international break. Midfield three was Ryan Gravenberch, Alexis McAllister and Dominic Sobersly. Probably one of Sobersly's less influential games, let's say. But you can't be harsh on him. He's obviously proven to be um, a consistent performer for us and he will have much better days. We'll talk about the other two, though. In the centre of the park, Ryan Gravenberch starting his first Mozart derby. I've read some rave reviews, let's say, uh, from him in this match. I thought he was tidy whilst he was industrious, kept things ticking over, you know, was forward thinking with his passing. I didn't really feel that he had the best game. It's not like I looked at him and thought, oh, he's dominating um, Anana and, and Garner in midfield. Just didn't think that was the case. I do feel that you need to caveat that with the fact that he has not been of the squad long. Still getting to terms of what the manager wants from him. And I think it will come in time. And again, he's young. He's new to the, the country. He's new to the system, the requirements and the club and the league. And so whilst we're still not happy at that miss at Brighton, which would have um, seen us go top of the table ultimately... Um, he, he's, been, he's been a, a decent addition to the squad and I'm pretty sure there's better to come. Ah, Alexis McAllister though. This is um, an ongoing debate. I, I do feel sorry for him with each passing game because whilst he's getting the minutes and you know he's, he's proving to be um, a good performer, he's not really having the opportunity to excel because you can see as he's operating in, in that Moises Caicedo uh, position, as we'll call it, he isn't entirely comfortable. There were moments where he looked as if he was, you know, slightly dominated that area of the pitch. And it's going to continue this way until we plug that gap. Now, we've been hearing a lot of talk about uh, Andre stepping in from the Brazilian league. And... To be honest, I don't think it can come soon enough because I would have thought 
that this is the kind of game that Endo should have started in. I mean, I don't think he even came on the end. He certainly should have had some minutes if we were looking to integrate him into the team. And it seems to me that young Klopp doesn't trust him. So it's like, what was the point of this transfer? Uh, a lot of people did sniff at it in the first instance. And in terms of the way Klopp is using him or not, it seemed to appear that he feels the same way that we do. Now, I'm pretty sure, given that we've got that gap in that area of the pitch, we need sooner rather than later for him to come up to speed. Unless someone's going to step in in January, like Andre, and, and take that position. Yeah, that that was that was curious to me, why, why he didn't start. What was pretty predictable was that the front three that we went with, Luis Diaz, who played a central role in the sending off, as I say, and also the goal that, that um, well, the handball that Michael King gave away. So he was fairly decisive. Uh, Mohamed Salah with two goals, but Diego Jota, again, seems to be a bit withdrawn when he starts matches. He tends to have a laser focus when he's coming onto the pitch and causing all kinds of trouble, or if he's playing against Arsenal. But otherwise, he's not got the bit between his teeth right now. And I do understand why Nunes didn't start, given the travel, given you know he had a brilliant time of things with Uruguay, with Uruguay in midweek. They finally beat Brazil after God knows how many years, and he grabbed a goal and assist. And I think it was just a, a fatigue thing. But um, I would expect to see him start uh, the next game against Forest when we play them next weekend, which I'll be at. So should probably touch upon the other moment of the game, which uh, let's say courted a little bit of controversy. They say things even themselves out over the season. I don't know about that, but I do accept and Jurgen Klopp also admitted that the challenge uh, late on in the game from Ibrahim Konate um, could have resulted could have resulted in a second yellow card for him, which would have led to him being sent off. But for some reason, referee didn't give it. Um, and that challenge on, on Beto, which many people would have felt warranted a, a second yellow, wasn't punished. And it left Sean Dyche baffled, he said. He was... Don't know if he was generally baffled, but he was definitely um, enraged by it, and he did receive a yellow card, which I thought was quite funny. Uh, Jurgen Klopp again he admitted that you know in another game that that could have been a yellow. Anyway, don't want to dwell on that. Liverpool have the three points in the bag. It's the first of four easy fixtures. Let's get it right. You know those games are not just winnable. They should be one. Um, they've got the Everton one out of the way, which is the hardest. And after Toulouse in midweek in the Europa League, they face Forest at home, Luton away, and Brentford at home. They have to go into that City game with 12 points out of 12. There's just no other way about it. So I'm excited. I do feel the Reds are, are motoring nicely. It's been fun to rate the start to the season out of 10. I'm giving it a solid eight and a half. Um, 
And that's actually mostly for the focus of the side as opposed to the results. Because aside from the Tottenham game, we've pretty much looked like the best team in every game we've played and got what we deserved um, in each game ultimately. So we could have won a Brighton game but didn't. Um, we could have won a Chelsea game, but it was actually fairly even contest throughout. And the Tottenham one was, for obvious reasons, the exception to the rule. So I'm pleased, but not over the moon cock-a-hoop, as some pundits uh, would have us believe we should be at the start we've made. Uh, we did go top of the league temporarily after this result, uh, but then settled back into third and probably dropped back down to fourth once Spurs play on Monday. It's Sunday at the time of recording. So it's just where we want to be. Not concentrating on league places, but in terms of points from the top, we're there. Within touch and distance, we are well in the game. And yeah, happy enough with how we've started. So we'll be back after the Toulouse match in midweek. So looking forward to that. Should be a, a bit of a more of a contest than what we've come accustomed to in this competition so far and then after that as I say we have Forest at home and I can't wait to be standing on the cop to, to cheer the lads on for that one and um, we'll give you our after match thoughts um, shortly after that one. Have a great rest of the week and we'll catch you after Liverpool against Toulouse. As ever please support the podcast with a follow with uh, top rating and as always you never walk alone.